I want to tell you a story. This week I put an update on my iPhone and it bricked it. So I found myself going to the Apple store at the local mall here near Toronto, Ontario. And as I sat down waiting for my turn, there was a lady sitting next to me. She was an older lady and she was waiting to have her husband's laptop fixed. So she was sitting there, she strikes up a conversation and says, oh, the store is busy, isn't it? So I went on to tell her that, oh, this is nothing. You should see it on a Saturday. And it became clear she's from out of town. So she goes on to tell me that she's from Lindsay, Ontario, which is a place I've pretty much never been to. So trying to find something in common like you would, I mentioned that the one thing I knew about Lindsay is that my old voice instructor from the Royal Conservatory of Music was from Lindsay. And as I was telling her this, her eyes suddenly went wide and she said, what was his name? And I said, well, his name was Bill Perry. And her mouth, she clutched her chest and her mouth fell open and she said, oh, I know Bill. He taught my son. In fact, he was the one who was singing with the choir the day I was baptized. I asked her, I said, you know, I haven't seen Bill since probably 1998. Do we know if he's still around? And of course she said, no, he'd passed away. The funny thing is I'd been thinking about Bill just a week or two before trying to look him up on the internet and see whatever became of him. If you ever met Bill, he was a really laid back and peaceful guy and he was wonderful on the piano and the funny thing about him is that when you were singing he would always start yawning and I was never sure if he was truly bored or if he was trying to show me by example what it means to relax even when you're doing your scales and runs and exercises. So I'm very sad this week to know that I'll never see or hear from old Bill again for never having had the chance to say thank you, for teaching me so much about the power of the human voice. For Bill Perry, wherever you are, this episode's for you. You're listening to the Fuse Chamber Podcast, where you get the elite mindsets and skills to ignite your voice and build your audience. I'm your host, Chris Williams, and I want to help you live the life you really want. Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for joining. It's great to have you here. If you're making time for creativity, but you find yourself unfocused and unable to stay with it, there's some things that can help. But first, let's remember why we're here. To create the next generation of leaders in arts, business, and community. To create an elite tribe of powerful, successful professionals who redefine how artists and entrepreneurs can do what they really want to do with their lives, full of passion and without compromise. I'll show you who you have to become in order to win. And I'll be here to inspire you each and every week so that you stay inspired and stay driven. This investment of 15 minutes a week will create habits that forever change your life and career. One of the big challenges that any creative will face is the ability to find and keep focus, especially when it comes to creative work. Did you ever get that problem? The ability to focus, the ability to control your thoughts and emotions, and self-discipline are all closely related. So if you find yourself wandering, scattered, unable to drill down and get to it, you're not alone. Even as an artist, you'll find immense satisfaction from the ability to do focused work on demand. Because not only will you find this useful when you're doing your creative work, but also when you're doing the non-creative stuff that's demanded of today's artists and entrepreneurs. So for example, this week, I was working on updating my website. I had to write copy. I got my day job stuff 
chores around the house, like all of us, updating my QuickBooks, you know, the everyday stuff, and basically doing my best to rock all of it. Now, almost all those jobs that I just described for you are candidates for severe procrastination because, frankly, between you and me, I don't want to do any of them. They're no fun. And even if they do impact my business, I don't perceive them as being high value. So let's start this episode by agreeing on a shared belief. The seemingly unimportant, boring work is actually the most important work you can do. What? Well, here's why. Because that work teaches us how to be disciplined, how to muscle through the unpleasant tasks that are the true barriers between you and a successful life as an artist. If you listen to my episode on resilience and grit way back when, you remember that one of the best ways to get gritty is to do things you don't like, do hard things. So I'm going to say it again. Your creative work matters less than your ability to muscle through all of the unpleasant things that go with the job. Because no matter how creative you are, no matter how talented you are, no matter how special your gift is, if you can't get through the tasks involved in, let's say, marketing, promotion, accounting, all the other housekeeping stuff, nobody is ever going to see you. And if they can't see you, they can't buy your stuff. Now, on the contrary, tell me if you've noticed this, the world seems to reward people of far less conspicuous talent just because they're the ones that work and persisted longer. It turns out that the talent and sheer creativity is a learned and practiced skill, meaning that anyone can get it. But the discipline and the hard work and the ability to focus on even the ugliest of tasks is the thing that 98% of the people are missing. So apply the following technique. Learn this and use it. This is the one that I use personally. See if it helps you grow in your ability to attack any kind of tasks, not just the creative ones. So next time you're struggling to focus to get something done, pull this technique out, give it a go, and feel free to adapt it to your personal style, your environment, or your needs. The first thing you got to do is set aside the time. I've said this a thousand times, but you have got to make time on the calendar. Get started and go. So I use two techniques to help me accomplish this. Number one, I carve time out in my daily journal. That's right. I write my schedule out in pen for the whole day in little half hour chunks. Now, sometimes sticking to that doesn't go very well because my day often doesn't go the way I thought it was going to the night before or at six in the morning when I write this thing out. So the next thing I do as a backup in the very same journal is I set up my three targets for the day. So if there's something you know needs to get done and it's radically important to your success, or if there's something you know you have to do but you keep putting it off, or both, this might help you. List out the three most important things you need to achieve today and make sure that one hairy item that you don't want to do, that you keep putting off, is on that list. Now, I also set up a reminder on my smartphone to go check my journal. So sometime between 11 a.m. and lunch, I have a little thing that goes off and tells me, go back and look at your journal, see what you had scheduled for the day, and see what your top three priorities were. Make sure you've got them handled. If you haven't started on them yet, you better get moving. So this is a great way to go back to the promises I've made to myself for the day and to ensure that if I've somehow forgotten them, I won't forget them for too long. Now, 
Once you've set aside the time, you got to find a place where you're comfortable and successful working. So for me, my preferences, take me to a cafe or give me a couch in a quiet corner of the house. I don't want the TV on. I don't want a conversation near me. Now, it can still be a noisy place as long as I've got like some headphones and some kind of music or some white noise in the background so I can shut everything else out. Now, that's my personal favorite working condition. Yours may be different, so experiment and find out which one works for you. So now you've set aside the time, and that time is now. So you go to your place where you can focus and work without interruption, whatever you like. Now you set a timer and you go. You can use the timer capability on your smartphone. You could use a stopwatch. You could use the second hand on a wristwatch or a clock. There's tons of apps you can get for your smartphone or computer that'll do 20 or 25-minute intervals, and then it rings a bell and gives you a five-minute break. Different methods work for different people. But whatever you do, don't let the tech be a blocker. Just try something and go to work. You can always upgrade your technology solution later. But I would recommend, however, that you set a timer no more than 20 to 25 minutes because you're going to need frequent mental breaks in order to stay focused. So now you got your timer. The first thing you do is set an intention. Setting the timer alone is not enough because it's all too easy to start your timer and then start cruising the web, shopping online, losing sight of whatever it was that you set aside those 20 minutes to achieve. So either in your mind or better yet, on paper, or on your device, write one sentence that describes what the world will look like after those 20 or 25 minutes has completed. Here's an example. By the end of this session, I will have updated all my receipts and QuickBooks for the month of May. Or it could be, at the end of the next session, I'll have come up with 10 new ideas for a book. The point is to create an intention that describes what things will be finished by the end of the session. Now, your mind might be saying, Well, what if I promise too much? Or what if 20 minutes is not enough? Don't worry about that stuff. Just try. Whatever you do, though, avoid using the words in your intention like try, working on, or attempt. Rather, focus on completed things. Things that'll be in your folder. Things that'll be in your notebook. Things that'll be in your hands. These are the promises that you make to yourself. Talk about done things. Hold these promises as sacred and see the difference it makes in your ability to focus and get really productive. Now, here's another important component. To avoid and defeat mental distraction, you got to build an escape hatch. Let me explain. When you're working, things will come up that distract you, right? Either consciously, unconsciously, these things are totally natural, And this does get better with practice, but even the most seasoned and most disciplined individual will always struggle a little bit with a wandering mind, with procrastination, and generally just not feeling up to it. So having an escape hatch gives all these distracting influences a place to go and have their say so that you can put them out of your mind and proceed with your most meaningful and important work for the day. For me, the perfect escape hatch is a Sharpie and a big pad of sticky notes. So let's say something comes up during your creative flow. You realize you got to update your Twitter. So normally your mind starts wandering. You start to panic. You think about whatever it is you think about. Maybe you worry that if you don't update, your fans will stop taking you seriously and they'll abandon you. 
Maybe you need to do some online shopping for a new Bluetooth headset. Convincing yourself in your mind that this is essential somehow to your productivity. When in reality, this is just another way of avoiding the creative work and the perceived failure that comes with putting your stuff out there in the universe. Whatever the reason, whatever the demon, it doesn't really matter. The point is you have to slay the demon. And you can do that with a simple sharpie and a pad of sticky notes. Every time one of these demons surfaces, that nagging feeling of something that you must do or must contemplate, just write it down with a sharpie in bullet point form on the post-it. This is an assurance, like a promise to yourself, that yeah, whatever you're thinking is important and you'll be able to handle it later in priority sequence. Now, if the list of things that starts popping into your mind is long and therefore overwhelming, I'll sometimes go the extra mile and I'll actually prioritize these items by assigning them a number or a series of stars with one being most important or three star items being the most important. And that's all the attention you need to give the demon right now. He just wants a little bit of your love. So that little escape hatch is a safe place to put your thoughts, your worries, your ideas, your demons, and your must-dos until a more convenient time. Because if your brain pushes back and says, wait, 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 this is important, we got to deal with this right now, this is the most important thing, then you have to remind yourself of what the intention was that you set at the beginning of the session. There are very few things in life that cannot wait 20 minutes. So keep your promises to yourself by staying loyal to your vision and your pledge. Put your mind back on track to the task at hand and keep rolling. Now, a quick note. Using these focused 20-minute sessions is an extremely effective technique. However, it won't help you if you think that there's 50 things that you need to do in a day, so you're facing a pile of 50 20-minute sessions. When you get started, it will be more than enough to do one, two, or three of these 20-minute sessions per day. No more. Those 20-minute sessions will be hyper-productive, possibly more than you used to get done in a whole day in your past life. So when you first get started with this technique, it's important to ensure that you assign the sessions to the most important things of the day. That is to say, the three big things that you absolutely must get done today in order to move forward on your dreams, in order to feel productive, are the things you should assign to these 20-minute sessions. Once you get more disciplined and more familiar with this technique, you can use them for lots more. But in the beginning, to avoid the risk of burnout, I suggest you keep the number very, very small. Finally, if you're not familiar with the practice of meditation, but you're wondering why some of the most successful artists, entrepreneurs, executives, and athletes point to meditation as a key component of their success, I suggest you at least look into it. This area of staying focused and staying clear is an area where meditation can be of massive help to you. However, it's not for everyone, and as long as you're able to find a comfortable, quiet place to work, and you are hyper-committed to staying focused in your 20-minute sessions, you don't need meditation in order to make this technique work at all. You may, however, find it helpful. Folks, thanks for listening. You can reach out at the newly redesigned FuseChamber.com 
or find me on Twitter at Fuse Chamber. Come in for some more insight and coaching next week. 